We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. I'm not a cocky person. I'm just passionate. Final round. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for a new podcast partner immediately. Quarantine and chill. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome in, welcome in to the Music City Audible podcast presented by Broadway Sports Media, broadwaysportsmedia.com. Make sure to check out our site right now. We have tons of great clowny content covering the recent signing that we've been predicting on this particular podcast for months. Check out all the great articles we have right now. Got lots of articles previewing the upcoming matchup with Denver, too, which is the subject of today's podcast. So, yes, welcome in, welcome in. We will talk a lot about the Denver Broncos. I am your host, Justin Graver. I am joined as always by Justin Mello. And by joined, I mean I will be joined shortly once we get into the meat of this episode because what we got today is Denver Broncos preview. I'm going to go through the injury report really quick, give you the latest updates on everything, give you a few insights that I think uh, are going to be key in this game. And then we're going to turn to an interview that Justin and I conducted on Wednesday night with Benjamin Albright, Denver Broncos insider. He's going to fill us in on all the details about the Broncos offense and defense personnel and coaching, what we can expect in this matchup, who to watch out for. It was a great conversation with Ben. Really appreciative of his time coming on the podcast and giving us his thoughts. So we're going to get into all that. But first, let me catch us up. Now, when I read these injury reports, we are looking at reports from the first day of practice. Typically, by Thursday night, we would have a second day's injury report. But because the Titans play on Monday night, they didn't practice until Thursday. We don't get our first injury report until Thursday. The Titans had three guys that did not practice. Offensive lineman Jameel Douglas, who's been injured for a little bit, did not practice due to a hand injury. Outside linebacker Derek Roberson, who went down uh, early last week in training at the end of training camp, who was then seen back at practice on a bike. And he didn't practice today, but he he's listed with that knee injury that we kind of knew about that seems to be less serious than we first thought. So that's good news, even though he didn't practice today. And safety, Kenny Vaccaro, uh, non-injury related, didn't practice. We, we expect him back on Thursday. Uh, on the limited participant side, outside linebacker Vic Beasley is listed with a knee. So this is the first time we've had any real word about what Beasley's injury was. Um, if he was even injured, obviously he was on the NFI list, which stands for non-football injury, but it doesn't necessarily mean he had a serious injury. They could have been keeping him there during training camp almost as a way to work him back in slowly after he missed the first 10 days. But it does appear that he is limited, has a knee injury, so we'll watch that status as the week unfolds. Same with Corey Davis, who's listed limited with a hamstring injury, and running back Darrington Evans listed as limited with a hamstring injury. Evans missed some time in training camp. We didn't really have any any knowledge of why, but it looks like maybe a hamstring injury struck him early. And Corey Davis, I don't know if this is precautionary. They did this load management thing with him last year where they just had to list something when he was limited in practice. So that could be the case here. And we'll know more throughout the weekend when we get more injury reports. If these guys start trending towards full participation, then we don't have to be concerned. But at this point, it's too early to really make much of this. On the other side, the Broncos, we kind of know a lot more about their injury situation. So firstly, Von Miller, devastating injury, went down, freak injury. We're going to talk about this with Ben Albright in a minute, um, about who his replacement is and what kind of impact this has on the Broncos line. But obviously, one of the best pass rushers in the league who was coming into the year 
looking to bounce back from last year's eight sack season. I think this is just terrible to see for a team that had a great defensive line, even uh, even from the Titans standpoint. You want to want to get a team at their best, so this is just too bad on on all fronts. Um, but Mark Barron also did not practice inside linebacker safety hybrid guy who's bounced around the league a little bit. Listed as a limited participant, Broncos have outside linebacker Bradley Chubb, who's coming off a torn ACL that he suffered in Week Four last year, working back in on a supposed pitch count in Week One. We'll see if Miller's injury changes his usage at all. Also, guard Graham Glasgow, who was signed in the offseason. Dealing with an ankle injury, he's listed as limited. K.J. Hamler's been dealing with a soft tissue injury for a few weeks. Listed as limited with a hamstring. His status is really up in the air for week one. Tight end Albert Okuwebunam. Yes, that's how you say it. Okuwebunam. uh, Also listed as limited. And Cortland Sutton, wide receiver, went down about 30 minutes into practice, landed awkwardly on his shoulder, and has been diagnosed with an AC joint sprain in his right shoulder. So his status is pretty up in the air now too. We'll see if they, they're currently saying he's questionable for the game. So we'll see if he's able to get out on the field. This would be a huge loss for the Broncos. Von Miller already a huge loss. So the early season injuries are already starting to stack up here. This is, you just hate to see this. And you might see a lot of that this season with the limited preseason, limited ramp up time as we came back into training camp late and getting in the season with the, with the whole pandemic affecting things. So Hopefully, you just wish for everybody to have the best health this weekend, but unfortunately, I think we may see a lot of injuries in on opening Sunday, which you just hate to see. Hopefully, we can avoid those as much as possible. Before we move on and get into our Ben Albright interview, I just want to talk a little bit about some keys to this game. First of all, Jadeveon Clowney. We haven't got to react to it because it happened on Thursday. I, I did react with a Broadway broadcast live stream that we did on Thursday evening, but if you haven't listened to that... Uh, you probably know my thoughts on Clowney by now. I'm a huge fan. I think the signing is incredible. They got him at they got him for a cap hit of $12.7 million this season. He's got incentives that he could get paid up to $15 million, but the cap hit's $12.7. That's a pretty great deal for a guy who was asking for $20 million. The rumors were Tennessee had offered $15 or $16 million. So to get him for closer to $13 is a, a huge win for John Robinson for the Titans. Clowney, you know, maybe he never really wanted to play in Cleveland. You can say he cost himself money by waiting, but I think that he wanted to end up in Tennessee all along. And the reason I say that is because Clowney was at, did his first press conference as a Titan today. And just listening to him talk about his relationship with, with Mike Vrabel, you can read John Glennon's piece on that this morning at broadwaysportsmedia.com, talking about the relationship that Vrabel and Clowney have, that strong bond that seemed to be the driving force in getting Clowney back to, in getting Clowney to sign with the Titans. Jonathan Joseph also was brought up in the press conference. Clowney said he called Joseph, and Joseph said that this defense wants to fly around, and Clowney said he needed to be in a system like that. He compared his time in Seattle and their system to his time with Mike Vrabel, said he was obviously way more productive in Vrabel's system, said he's excited to get back in. He he mentioned that Vrabel has already been trying to move him around all over the place, and he's doing his best to execute everything that's asked of him. I mean, this press conference, he came off as well as you could hope for a guy who has a bit of a reputation for being like a, either a diva or a lazy guy or not a great teammate or not a great worker. I don't, I haven't seen anything that would suggest anything like that. I think that you couldn't have asked for a better first impression from Clowney in this press conference. So I'm excited to see him get worked in. He said Monday night, he's definitely going to play, definitely going to be ready. That's what he signed up for. 
is what he said. So really excited about that signing, of course. How could you not be? Takes this Titans defense from a good unit to an elite unit. You swap out Jarrell Casey for Jadeveon Clowney, and you swap out Logan Ryan for Christian Fulton. Jadeveon Clowney, I think, is a no-question upgrade. As great as Casey has been for this team for so long, the best player on a weak defensive line and for a long time had to deal with double teams most of his career, but still was a productive member. The most productive member made a bunch of Pro Bowls. Truly the the face of the Titans defensive line and defense, probably up until Kevin Byard broke out. But that really just says a lot about how good of a player Jadeveon Clowney is, his versatility. He can do everything that Casey could do from the interior and everything that no one on this team can currently do from the from the edge. So setting the run in the edge game, being used in rushing up the A-gaps, being used as the crasher on stunts, which was a huge role that Casey did very well. I think we're going to see a lot of usage from Jadeveon Clowney. And Mike Herndon wrote a really nice piece for BroadwaySportsMedia.com talking about how much we might see Clowney used in week one. So you should check that out as well if you're interested. All right, really quick before we get into Ben Albright, I just want to touch on one last X factor for the Titans-Broncos game. And that's the altitude. Now, to plug Broadway Sports Media one more time, Mike Herndon wrote a fantastic piece analyzing the Broncos' home field advantage during the first two weeks of the season. Dating back to 1975, the results are stunning. They've only lost seven games in that time span, and they've won 48, 48 and 7 since 1975 at home in weeks one and two. Just an insane home field advantage that the Broncos carry that's mostly tied to the altitude. It's just harder to, to breathe. You get winded faster and you get dehydrated faster in the higher altitude. And it's really hard to play deep in the fourth quarter of those types of games. And as Mike points out in his article, the, the teams most recently that have been the Broncos teams winning games in weeks one and two went on to have pretty, you know, lousy seasons overall, five and 11, six and 10, beating pretty good teams that went on to do good things later in the year. So this is definitely the, it's not a trap game per se, but it's a, a type of watch out game that, you know, even though the Titans may be the more talented squad and they have way more continuity coming in with the Broncos changing offensive coordinators and quarterback coaches in the offseason, starting an inexperienced second-year guy, Drew Locke, who only started five games last season. I think the Titans have a lot of advantages, but one major one is this altitude home field advantage thing the Broncos have. It's it's honestly mind-boggling looking at the numbers. I mean, it's winning percentage, 48-7, and seven, man, 87.3% win rate. That is really something. We will talk about that with Ben Albright as well. And speaking of Ben, without further ado, I'm going to bring on my co-host Justin Mello. going to bring on Benjamin Albright, talk about the Denver Broncos, get into all the details about that team so you know what to watch for when the Titans take the field Monday night. So here we go. Let's do it. All right, we are very excited to be joined now by Benjamin Albright, Broncos insider with the Broncos flagship radio station in Denver, Colorado. You can find him on Twitter at Albright NFL. Thanks for being here, Ben. And how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. How are you guys? Doing all right. Get, looking forward to previewing the first game of the NFL season. It's always an exciting time. And I want to just dive right in with you here, get some intel on the Denver Broncos. Obviously, the biggest storyline in Denver right now must be Von Miller's injury. This is devastating for a Broncos defensive line that was finally going to get their two big outside linebackers back with uh, Bradley Chubb on the other side. So can you just tell us a little bit 
how Miller's injury affects this defense and, and what kind of effect it'll have on the team overall. Yeah, uh, well, you know, it, it was a freak accident. Last play of practice, non-contact injury. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much more fluky you could get with this thing. But, uh, but and Vaughn was, was honestly in the best shape of his life, the best shape I've ever seen him in. I uh, was having a monster camp. Um, it's it's a big it's a big blow to a Denver Broncos team that's got some expectations. To be honest with you, uh, you t- you're talking about a team that expects to be competing for a wild card. Um, I, I don't think that they realistically think they're going to flirt for the division. But you know, you're never going to down you're never going to say that publicly. But I, I think realistically, they feel like number two in the division and, and a wild card is where they're at this year. Uh, you know, a nine to ten win season was kind of what they were eyeballing. Um, so now you've got Bradley Chubb coming back off an injury. And he's only playing at about 85, 90% right now. He's still, he's going to be on a pitch count for this game. You got Von Miller, who's now out at least three months and could be the season. Um, it's, it's really, you know, for the Broncos who are counting on both those players, uh, it's really a big blow. Vic Fangio's scheme uh, is, is, yeah, kind of the opposite of what the Broncos had done for maybe the five or six years prior to that with Wade Phillips, Vance Joseph, you had a scheme that was send everything, but the kitchen sink at the quarterback, put your DBs on an Island and hope the, the pass rush gets there. Vic is philosophically 180 degrees, the other direction. Vic wants to send the least amount of guys. He's got to send after the quarterback and drop everybody else back in his zone, uh, which is usually quarters. And then uh, it's, it's going to be middle of the field open either way, cover two, cover four, whatever. And, and he wants to drop everybody back in zone, try to pick you off, turn you over and kind of play Ben don't break. And so, you know, when, when you're your two best pass rushers in a philosophy that doesn't want to send people after the quarterback go down, that heavily affects what the Broncos can do. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I was out there at training camp every day, um, and, and I can tell you this defense was as good as it's looked since 2015, and this is going to put a huge damper on that. And, and you, you talked about Chubb a little there. Obviously, they were hoping to get – you know, this would be the first time they're going to get them on the field uh, since week four last year. Terrible luck. How healthy do you think Chubb is right now? Because there's been rumors that he's a little dinged up as well. Well, he is. I say he's playing about about 85, 90%. Uh, he's not fully confident back coming back from that. And like I said, he's going to be on a pitch count for this game. Uh, you're going to see a lot of Jeremiah Tachu, uh, more so than you would have. Um, because he'll be backing up both Malik Reed, who will be Von Miller's replacement, uh, and Bradley Chubb, who will be limited in what he can do. Uh, you may see them experiment with some stuff. They may kind of kick Draymond Jones out there for a little bit, but uh, mostly it's probably going to be Jerry Atachu uh, and, and Malik Reed. And uh, Austin Kalitra, who they traded for, will kind of shuffle around and be an emergency guy out there. And then they're, uh, they're looking at bringing some people in as well. Malik Reed had a pretty big game uh against the Titans last year, half a tackle for loss and three total tackles. So he'll be obviously stepping up into a bigger role. And if we stay there on the defensive line, I'm curious to get your thoughts on Jarrell Casey, obviously longtime Titan, huge leader here with the Titans and most definitely their best defensive player on the field until maybe Kevin Byard last season. But what is Jarrell Casey looked like with Denver? I'm curious what kind of leadership role he may be taking on coming to a new team um, and what do you think he will bring to this defensive line? Well, I mean, he, he plays nasty. You, you know, you, you see him out there and you notice he's out there. Um, he, he's, a, he's a mountain of a man and he's still got a little left in the tank. So uh, Broncos are very happy about that. Now he's replacing Derek Wolf, who had a, a different style of leadership, I think. I, I think Casey resonates a little bit more than what with Derek Wolf uh, uh, on, a, on a person-to-person level uh, in terms of how he handles things in the locker room and challenges guys. Wolf... Uh, you know, Wolf resonated because he'd been around for so long and had been on that that Super Bowl team. But you know, to be honest with you, the way he approached things didn't always 
go over right. You know, it's kind of a kind of an a-hole at times. So uh, with Jarrell Casey, you know, I mean, you're getting a guy who's very strong and very opinionated in what he does, but he's also got a pedigree with how many, uh, you know, with, with his success and everything else that comes with that. Um, you know, I, I like what he's brought to this team. I think they're expecting a lot out of him. Uh, it's going to be interesting that that defensive line prior to, you know, prior to Vaughn going down um, because you, you count Vaughn and Chubb on that line. Uh, you know, I thought looked really good. Uh, you got Shelby Harris, the the leading AKA shot blocker uh, in, in the NFL. He squats more passes than anybody. Uh, Mike Purcell is kind of a mountain in the middle there. And then Jarrell Casey, that's, that's a, that's a pretty good, you know, guys to have on the inside with Vaughn and Chubb on the outside. So uh, now it looks a little less threatening, obviously with the edge rush being a little more limited, but um you know, I, I still think that that's that's a, the front seven would be a, a strong part of this team. Yeah, and I want to talk. I want to transition to talk a little about the offense. Obviously, you know, Drew Locke came in about midway through the season last year and certainly looked better um, at the quarterback position than than Flacco did last season. I know this Denver team is really excited about Locke and what he's going to bring to the table now that he's on. You know, the guy, right? There's no doubt about it. He's the guy. Uh, how does Drew Locke sort of looking going into this game? I thought he's looked pretty good. Um, you know, he's he's had a, an up and down camp at times. Or there's been a couple of boneheaded, "Hey, what are you doing?" You know, rook moments, and then there's some then there's some some throws that you say, "Wow, uh, we haven't seen that in quite a few years." Uh, and so, you know, it, I think it's a learning process for him. I think he came out. I think he flashed enough last year. Uh, certainly, certainly cautious optimism. Um, my my concerns. He he stares down a receiver a little much, uh, specifically Courtney Sutton. Uh, a little bit much, but Cortland's got such a such a great catch radius that, uh, you know, if you do that and you put the ball out where only he can get it, chances are he's going to come down with it. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested to see with this the Shermer offense that they switched to, um, if they can protect him long enough to make some of these big plays, these big wild plays. And there's a lot to be excited about on the entire Broncos offense, I think. You mentioned the offensive coordinator and Cortland Sutton. They obviously drafted two receivers first and second round, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, Judy out of Alabama, Hamler out of Penn state. And we've heard a lot of buzz about them coming out of Broncos training camp. How do you expect the three receivers to kind of fit in? Are they all going to, are the two rookies going to be starters and, and what kind of role are they going to play in this offense? Well, they actually drafted three receivers, uh, Tyree Cleveland out of Florida in the sixth round. I gotta be honest with you. He's looked phenomenal as well. Uh, KJ Hamler has been a bit dinged up. Um, I don't think he's going to play in this game. If he does, it'll be sparingly. Uh, and I, I honestly, I think he's, he's not going to play for a few weeks. Um, but his speed, his speed was certainly, uh, something interesting when, when he got it out there and he was running around, it was certainly hard to cover him. Uh, Jerry Judy is going to start. Well, he'll be one of the starting three receivers. Uh, Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton will be the other two on the outside. Judy will play on the inside of the slot. Uh, Judy has been everything they hoped and then some. Um, this guy, I, I've never seen a guy come into the league with an understanding of the craft of playing wide receiver the way Jerry Judy does. Um, you know, I, the only guy I can think of that came in understanding like the technical aspects of the position at that level was Larry Fitzgerald. Um, just the, the way he came in and, and, and does the route running. Hey, this guy, he gears down so quickly, drops his hip. He, and, you know, he's got this dead leg move. He just puts guys on skates. Uh, and, and so, you know, Jerry Judy, I, I really expect big things from him. I, he'll be hit or miss, you know, rookie wide receivers tends to take him a little bit to get going, but uh, he'll be hit or miss over the course of the season. But uh, he, Cortland and Tim Patrick are the starting three receivers and they, they'll start, uh, um, they'll run 11 personnel most of the time. Uh, so you're, you're going to see three receiver sets. Noah Fant's a starting tight end. Uh, and so it's just, they're a lot faster, I think, and a lot stronger than they have been, certainly than they were last year when they had no speed threat whatsoever. Um, so 
I think that one of the things that they're hoping to be able to do is use the one-two punch of Melvin Gordon and Phil Lindsay, uh, get that ground game going and get the screen game going. And then when those safeties start to bite down on that, that's when you, you use the Pat Shermer deep cross off play action that he likes to throw. And then you'll have Cortland, who's got an all-world catch radius, Judy, who's got that speed, that route running, and Tim Patrick, who's got that size on the outside. And they're hoping to throw up balls and let those guys go get them. Yeah. And you briefly touched on on uh, Coach Shermer there. Obviously, he's coming in as the offensive coordinator, and he's got a lot of fun weapons to play with. Uh, what do you expect from this offense schematically now that Pat Shermer is in charge? I think one of the things that's been missing from the Broncos' repertoire over the last couple of years has been the screen game, uh, and Pat Shermer loves that. Um, you know, the Broncos just haven't run screens for a long time. It's, it's, it's odd to me how few how few they run. Uh, and you're going to see a lot more of that. You're, you're going to see uh, uh, they're going to line up in the gun. They're going to run three wide instead of two tight. Um, you're going you're to see a lot of uh, uh, RPO or at least RPO looking uh, plays with with lock and whatever back is back there. The back will be lined up offset right and, and they're out of the gun and they'll run off left tackle, left guard. Um, and that's that's kind of where everything starts. Once you get that play going, then you start to build the play action off that. Uh, once you get the play action going, you got the screen game behind that. You try to challenge the defense at, at different levels. The Shermer offense, I mean, it's the same offense he's had his entire career. There's nothing new that's going to surprise you on the Pat Shermer offense. But um, there's significantly uh, a significantly larger screen game uh, for the running backs and for the tight end, honestly. They, they like to run that tight end screen a lot. Um, than, than the Broncos have previously had. Last year, you saw a lot of outside zone. You saw two tight sets. Uh, not going to see a lot of that this year. Yeah. And I'm curious, uh, overall, as we look at this offense, there's also a rookie center starting. And I want to know, I want to get your thoughts on how much do you think the Broncos had a game plan before last weekend starting to be implemented, maybe the very beginnings of it. And how much do you think signing Jadeveon Clowney, the Titans signing Clowney, may have changed Denver's game plan because we kept hearing Clowney is the game wrecker. He's the guy that offensive coordinators say you have to know where he is on every snap. He's kind of a game plan altering guy, but there was also a lot of rumors and rumblings about Clowney going to the Titans. So I'm wondering if you think the Broncos were ready for this or if you think they had to like go in on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, whatever, and make a bunch of changes to the game plan this week. Uh, I can tell you for a fact, I knew, I know that they knew uh, that, that Clowney was in their plans. Hell, I've been reporting on it for weeks. So, um, you know, I, I, I knew what was going on there. Um, and I, and I know that me knowing means that the rest of the Broncos know since I'm on their payroll, but um, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I don't think it, it adjusted, uh, it adjusted plans too too much I think they kind of knew that was what was happening I think they kind of knew with the Casey move they were always trying to free up that money uh in an effort to you know try to get a little bit younger uh at that position um so you know I I think uh I don't think that affects what the Broncos were looking at the Broncos kind of look at Clowney and they're like okay well you brought him in Clowney famously likes to work out pretty intensely in the offseason but I don't know if he's in football shape so if I'm the Broncos I'm experimenting with that a little bit you know right at the beginning of the game we're going to run at him you know, we're going to see if he has to, if he's got the hands on the hips early, if he's getting gassed early. And if he is, well, that, then you start running outside zone to that side, you know, kind of get him to chase because Clowney's such a great run defender, you know, and if you can get him tired, well, it changes the way defensively that you're going to, you know, you're going to handle that side. You're not going to put Clowney alone on backside run assignments or anything like that. And, you know, I, I think that's kind of the Broncos, you know, a tentative plan or a tentative thing they're going to take a look at, see if they can gas him early. Um, oh, yeah, what was the other part of your question? I, I apologize. No, no problem. I asked about Lloyd Cushenberry, who we like to see, well, at least when uh, Clowney and Vrabel were together, every so often Clowney will run up and rush the A-gap and take the center one-on-one. I'm 
curious how you think that Lloyd Cushenberry is going to stand up to the challenge in his first game. Well, the Pat Sherber offense uses a lot of duo and combo blocking, so I'm not sure those A-gaps are going to be one-on-one. You know, you're going to see Dalton Reisner, who I think is a phenomenal left guard. I, if it wasn't for Quentin Nelson, he'd be one of the greatest left guards in the, in the game right now, and he'll get that recognition eventually. And then you got Graham Glasgow on the right side, new addition. Graham's pretty good. I, I wouldn't, He's not on Reisner's level, but he's, pr- he's a pretty good player. Um, you know, I, I think you're going to see a lot of that combo stuff. Um, and, and to be honest with you, you know, it was it was a tough battle for center here. Uh, Cushenberry was was good in camp, but Austin Schlotman out of nowhere looked really good. So they, and he's going to be the backup center and guard. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of talent there on the inside. I, I think they'll be fine. Lloyd, uh, the thing that that held him back initially was the fact that Schlotman knew the do the protection calls and, and Cush didn't. Um, but you know, he's, he's kind of got up to speed there and he's got help from Reisner and Glasgow on either side. The, the place to attack the Broncos, honestly, is the tackle position. Um, yeah. you know, you got Garrett, Garrett Bowles on the left side who, uh, looked like crap in the first half of last season. But once he hired Ken Zampezi to kind of break things down to, for him after, uh, after hours out of his own pocket, uh, he started to get a lot better. And over the final five games of the season, I think he had one hold and like one sack allowed over the final five, he got a lot better. But he still he still struggles at times, and so that's you know he's until he proves it, you, you got to pick on him. And then on the right side, you can have Elijah Wilkinson. Uh, Wilkinson's really a guard playing tackle, but uh, he, you know he he can do both. Uh, last year he had kind of a disservice because he never knew he would practice at guard all week and never knew if he's going to play tackle or not because the team was hoping Juwan James would be ready, which you know is a fool's errand, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so I, I think you know with Elijah he didn't often know. In fact, I was there with him uh, one night when he got the call at 9 p.m. on Saturday night that he was going to be starting to tackle instead of guard where he'd been practicing all week. So um, you know he, he's he struggles with the speed rush a little. Um, Elijah can take the power guys no problem. It's a speed rush that, that that'll get him on the right side. So you got to watch out for that yeah I, we were going to get into that I definitely think the strength of this Broncos offensive line is in the interior and then the speed rushers on the outside that's kind of what Tennessee has Vic Beasley and Va- uh, Harold Landry are both speed guys more than anything else so I wanted to talk a little bit about how the Browns in 2019 were viewed by the national you know fans and general expectations and they were the hype team of last year's offseason. And I feel like the Broncos have a lot of similarities coming into this year. Obviously, we don't know how it's going to play out, but second-year quarterback, getting a lot of hype, expected to take a next step. Lots of new weapons and receivers added to the offense. New offensive coordinator, not a new head coach, but new offensive coordinator. And maybe a weakness at offensive tackle. Do you see any similarities? Are you concerned at all that the hype train is going too fast for the Broncos um, and they may not live up to those expectations? A little bit. I mean, when when Colin Coward comes out and talks about Drew Locke being an MVP candidate, I'm like, you know, you can get the you know what out of here. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I to be honest with you, I was the guy driving the Drew Locke train uh, prior to when he was drafted. You know, kept kept pumping the you know, kept pumping that choo choo as far as hard as it would go. When he when he got drafted here, it made me ecstatic because I get to cover the kid. But yeah, I was a, you know almost a titan. Is that right? Uh, uh, well, I don't know if he's almost a titan, but they had certainly flirted around and looked at that a little bit. Um, uh, you know, and then ultimately when the when the Tannehill thing came available, which, you know, your, your entire city there made fun of me for that last year. Who's laughing now? <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I told you guys Tannehill was better and Mariota's crap, but whatever. Now, you know, um, you know, it's it's with Drew, you know, it's, it's a work, it's a work in progress. And, um, you know, you're going to see some, you're going to see some boneheaded stuff, but he doesn't make the same mistake twice. And I think that's the big thing. You know, when I, when I'm judging quarterbacks to come in the NFL, I say, once they get there, I'm like, does this guy keep making the same mistake or is he improving on that? And with a guy like, for instance, Mariota, it was always the same thing. And you were just sitting there like, dude, what are you doing? You've already done this, like learn. 
You know, with Drew, he doesn't make the same mistake twice. So I, I don't think that uh, I, I do feel like they're a little overhyped from some people trying to do the sleeper team thing nationally and be the cool guy that's, you know, predicting the Dolphins to go to the Super Bowl and be different or whatever. And, right. uh, but, you know, I think they're a playoff caliber football team. I think their defense with Vaughn would have been top five in the league. No problem. Um, now I'm not 100 percent on that. But, you know, Malik Reed had a hell of a training camp. So uh, we're interested to see what what he can do. Uh, the defense is going to be good. The question is, could the offense last year average 17 and a half a game? Uh, and that's not getting it done. Uh, so, you know, with Drew, can they average more than 17 and a half a game? You know, you don't have to be the highest scoring offense in the NFL. You just got to be the highest scoring offense in the stadium that day. Right. Yeah. I, I think we look back at the Titans Browns game last year and the Titans just steamrolled the Browns. But if you really look closely at it, it was a close game for a while. And then the Titans started getting turnovers. Cam Robinson, I think, or, or Greg Robinson got kicked out of the game for like kicking somebody. And at that point with Cameron Wake on the outside, his only good game of 2019, he had two and a half sacks and a safety. Uh, the Titans were able to get so much pressure that the, it kind of snowballed into a demolished kind of game. It wasn't really like the Titans were 30 points better than the Browns that day. So no, that game was close in the third quarter into the third quarter. It was still a close game. I remember yeah. I was watching that game. I, I remember I lost money on that game actually. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. And then Derek Henry took a screen all the way and it was like over from there, I guess. But so I think that people, there's a lot of Titans fans who have been making the comparison between the Broncos and the Browns and thinking like, well, if it's the same thing as last year, the Titans are just going to steamroll them. And I would caution a lot of Titans fans who are taking that approach. <laughs> I would say that the largest difference between those two teams is that the Browns had an incompetent coaching staff with almost no experience whatsoever. Uh, Steve Wilkes, I think, was the most tenured guy, and he was an abject disaster at Arizona. Uh, and and then, you, then you had the offense that had no experience whatsoever. Uh, with the Broncos, you've got Vic Fangio, who's got 40 years of experience on defense. Great Shermer and, and Mike Shula, right, on the offensive side of the ball, who have decades of experience as well. So I, I would suggest that uh, I would not go in with that approach. Um, yeah. I, I would not go in with, with that kind of approach at all. I, I would say that the Broncos are a, are a good football team. And if you are the Titans and you want to win this game, you got to out physical. You got to make sure AJ Brown and you got to make sure Derrick Henry are putting it to those defenders. So they don't want to tackle you. And that, that's the key to beating them in this game. And yeah. you know, what's an interesting point. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think we've touched on is uh, I, you know, I think that obviously this Broncos O-line has some question marks. Well, who's the O-line coach down there, right? I believe it's Mike Munchak nowadays. Yes, sir. And Munchak, Munchak did a lot in Tennessee with uh, with sometimes not a lot of talent on that O-line. So it'll be interesting to see if Munchak can get some of those guys playing at a higher level than people expect them to. Well, yeah. And, you know, that's the other thing is he's been instrumental in bringing Garrett Bowles and, you know, Elijah Wilkinson's one of his favorites over on the right side along. So the tackles who have been much beleaguered here, um, you know, in Denver, I, I, he's the he's the guy that's responsible for uh, for getting him up to speed. Yeah. All right, we're, we're going to wrap up here. I just want curious if you have final thoughts, predictions, not, I'm not asking for a score or a winner, but general game flow, how do you think this is going to go? I guess it be a tough football game for both teams. Um, I, the Broncos, uh, see, the, the Titans, you guys like to run a lot of man, and the Broncos just haven't experienced that a lot lately because they've been going up against zone in practice every day. So it's going to be an adjustment for the offense and for a young offense particularly. So, you know, I don't know if it's young offense. I, I think in order to win this football game, the Broncos had to come out hot uh, and have to get points early. I really feel like they're going to have to. You're going to have to put Tennessee behind the scoreboard, behind the chains, because you guys aren't built to come back from behind. Uh, if you keep, if the score stays close, or they let uh, Tennessee ground and pound them, I, I'm not sure that the, the Broncos are going to be able to recover from that. They're perilously thin on defense at the edge rush. 
Um, they, they really only have three corners, maybe a, a fourth that uh, that are can be out there for an appreciable amount of time. Uh, so there's there's some some areas where uh, that you know concern if they get out physical. Um, the other thing is is that Denver may have a unique home field advantage. Uh, they're, they're the only team that's that's going to have the uh, because there's no preseason, there's not been any games. People aren't in air quotes football shape. You got to come out here to altitude and play, and I can tell you it's tough. Um, when I moved out here from Tampa, uh, you know, back in the uh, early 2010s, uh, I had trouble walking up three flights of stairs. You know, it's 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 that big an adjustment. And so um, I, I will say that if you're not in great football shape, coming to play at Denver early in the season can be tough. Um, if Vaughn was here, I would have I would have predicted a Broncos win. As it is, man, I, I'm really concerned, and and I think uh, right now I'd probably give Tennessee the edge. All right, Justin. Anything else? No, I think that does it. Uh, I struggle to walk up three flights of stairs as well, and there's no altitude issues here. So what's my excuse? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I used to be in decent shape back then. I'm, I'm not so much now. I used to, I'm kind of a schlub now, but you know, I used to be in decent shape back then, and it was a struggle just to go, you know, just to walk up three flights of stairs. Like it was like wheezing. So it, it is a significant adjustment. Well, it's funny. One of one of our guys was quite confident in the Titans going into this game, but you know keeps bringing up that altitude factor. It really is such an unknown. And the Broncos' record in in yeah. the first two weeks of September since Mile High Stadium Dominant. opened is unbelievable. It's yeah, like, they they really take advantage of that. And if they can play at tempo, like I said, if they can play at tempo and they can kind of put the put the Titans on their heels, they have a shot. Um, it's just, you know, it's one of these things. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be fun football. It might be a little sloppy, but I think it's going to be fun football. And I love a good physical defensive match. So for me, that's exciting. Some people don't like the low scores. I like it. Yeah, I do think it's going to be lower scoring than a lot of people think because both of these offenses have a lot of excitement. Titans last year after Tannehill took over, all the Broncos' new pieces, but take the under <laughs> if you're out there. Um, all right, well, thank you so much, Ben, for joining us and giving us the inside scoop about the Denver Broncos. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. Really appreciate your time, Ben. Oh, yeah. 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 Anytime. Don't forget to follow Ben at Albright NFL. Our thanks again to him for his time tonight. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview, learning a lot about the Denver Broncos, what the Titans can expect on Monday Night Football. And here we are. We are heading into the weekend, week one of the NFL football season. So excited. Cannot believe we finally made it. It has really been quite an off season, quite a struggle to get here, but the light is shining through the end of the tunnel. So thanks for bearing with us. Thanks for sticking along and listening to the show. We really appreciate you guys. Be sure to check out again, broadwaysportsmedia.com, covering the Titans from all angles during the upcoming season. Of course, you got the Speedway Soccer guys covering Nashville SC2. And when the Predators finally come back, we are covering the Preds as well. So broadwaysportsmedia.com, get an all-access pass. John locks all of our premium content, John Glennon's articles, Mike Herndon's breakdowns, my previews for each week's game, In the Trenches with Ryan Watson, interviews conducted by Justin Mello, lots of great stuff you can only get at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Be sure to check it out. Follow us, follow the show at MCA Broadway, the Music City Audible. Follow Justin at Justin M underscore NFL. Of course, you can find me at Titans Film Room. Thanks a lot, guys. We're super excited for football. For Justin Mello, I'm Justin Graver signing off, reminding you to tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.